Embrace the power of prayer. Come feel it at the Sanctuary of Centenary United Methodist Church's free prayer conference and get inspired together with some of the country's most respected spiritual leaders like activist, author, and former Georgia State Representative Dr. Alveda King or Christian author and songwriter Stormy O'Mardian. Join us from November 5th to the 7th, ending with a Sunday morning combined worship service at 11.15 a.m., all at 2800 Tates Creek Road in Lexington. Wing is a paid program on 630 WLAP. I couldn't remember that. How about that? You stole that melody. I never knew that till now, Mark. One, Tom Dupree Show. This week joining us Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, and Tom Dupree. And this week we're doing the third installment of our Investing 101. This week we'll be talking about the Dupree process and walk you through how we do things at Dupree Financial Group. Here's our host, Tom Dupree. This song is... uh very touching to me because it uh, involves the late Chet Atkins and the late Everly Brothers and the still with us Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits and uh, Chet Atkins was one of the best guitarists of all time and he and Mark Knopfler were very good friends because Chet just realized how good that Mark was. This is a song that was written by Mark Knopfler and was on one of the uh, Dire Straits albums. That was Mark's group. And uh, of course, the Everly Brothers were, without Chet, they wouldn't have had a career uh, because they lost their record deal in the 50s. He got them with Roy Acuff. And because uh, it was just, he was a, a guy in Nashville who was, if he was on your side, you were going to succeed. So it's just a beautiful song. Uh, it's also very nice on the Dire Straits album. I can't remember which one it is, but... Uh, so, really, the, 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 the true talent of, of that whole group is, is really Mark Knopfler. I mean, I think, I'm not going to say he's better than Chet Atkins, but he's very good. So, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. You guys, this is stuff that you guys are, are into, and um, 
I do want to say a little bit about it. Uh, our um, signature, if you will, has been, and I hope it always will be, is research. Um, we're not really economists, although we have a take on things, but it's not really our strong suit. Our strong suit is research, company research. Um, we do these other things, asset allocation, portfolio composition, um, and monitoring. But uh, without research, uh, nothing moves in the markets. Um, you have indexers. And people who uh, who uh, allocate assets through the indexing, the ETF process, uh, they allocate assets to uh, sectors or to the broad market. But no individual stocks within the broad market ever get into the indexes unless it were initially driven by research, someone doing the work, finding out about the company and investing in it. So I think, you know, I would like to at least initially suggest that it's research that really drives the train. And for there, from there, we can venture out into other areas. Right. So as you said, uh, you know, research is really uh, uh, the foundation of our investment process. And when I say uh, research, uh, you know, research uh, can encompass many different uh, aspects. Uh, one of the aspects, you know, that we uh, focus on very closely is what you call bottom-up research, which is fundamental analysis of companies. Um, and when I say fundamental analysis, it means that we study every aspect um, of the company that we invest in. Uh, we do this by uh, looking at the financial statements of the company, which uh, are the company's balance sheet, the company's income statement, the company's cash flow statement. Uh, we look at uh, what's known as the 10K and the 10Q and that's, those are just terms for uh, financial statements. 10Ks are issued once a year by the company. They're required by the SEC, if they're a publicly listed company, to issue these. Uh, Explain just a little bit the difference between the K and the Q. Um, there's not much. The, the, the 10K is more of a yearly report, and right. the Qs are, are quarterly. Yes, so the 10 Qs, and the Q stands for a quarter, uh, are issued, uh, are uh, released uh, in conjunction with the earnings release of the company, which typically happens uh, once every three months. There are companies in uh, Europe and other parts of the world that release their earnings once every six months. Uh, but here in the U.S., every three months... Uh, I don't think it would be bad if they went to that. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, Warren Buffett says... There ought to be like two hours a year that something trades, and then you know that that's true. And people have argued for that just because there's a feeling that there's a lot of uh, short short term, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess incentives, and you know, management does not take a longer term view as a result. I would murder your options market. Oh yeah, it would be the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. the side bets would all go away. Exactly. There would and be, and we can't. Yeah. Ha we just can't have that. <laughs> so um, we uh, do an in-depth study of uh, the company by looking at all these financial statements, and then we typically uh, every company has uh, an investor relations uh, department. Uh, you can go to a company's website, uh, and you know if it's a publicly traded company, uh, when you click on about us or you know. There'll be a section on the company's website that takes you to their investor relations uh, sections. 
uh, you can go there and find all these statements. You can find the 10K, 10Q, or you can directly go to the SEC's website and find these statements. Uh, companies also have presentations of their business. So we look at all these uh, uh you know, documents that are uploaded on the company's website. And then we typically uh, call the company's investor relations uh, department uh, and ask them questions that we have about the company. Of course, none of this, uh, any information that they divulge is all public information. But, you know, when you study uh, a company, oftentimes there are questions that come up or, you know, uh, if you're trying to understand the business or the industry, it helps to speak uh, with the investor relations or the management of the company. Right, um, and, and sometimes information that is public, nobody's called attention to it or right. really looked at it. And, you know, so you can, you can learn a lot of things from stuff that's public, but it's just ignored. Right. One, one of the things I wanted to add, too, you asked what the difference between a 10K and a 10Q is. I think the most important difference from an investor's perspective is a 10K. So first off, it's about a 150-page difference, but a 10K yeah. lists out. I mean, for the typical company, you've got three or four pages worth of risks. So in a, inside of a 10K, a company has a section that is assigned solely for risks. Would you say that the 10K is a republication of the initial prospectus each year? It, kind of a, a recapitulation of the initial offering prospectus each year. Mixed with how the update on how they did that right, year financially. Right, yes. Right. And, and it's that, got way more stuff in it than the Q does. Yeah. And from a, a you know, it, it has a big portion that's dedicated to like i said risk but that means they list out this is a potential risk that you may not have thought of and if this happens this happens if that happens that happens and it's my uncle fred dupree who worked with my dad uh said and i probably shouldn't be saying this uh if everybody read prospectuses nobody would invest in anything <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I mean, that, that makes sense. And I mean, you know, <laughs> that's what he said. Honestly, that's something that I love, though, in the 10K, and that's something that uh, from a, a Darcy's mouth himself is, you know, I, I, he said, I try to think of the worst-case scenario and does it kill me. <laughs> and then if yeah. it doesn't kill me. Now we're on sure? to something. Are you sure that Adarsh is the one that said that? <laughs> well, that's what he told me. Okay. In word, word for we word, We don't know actually. where he got it, though. Well, yeah. So, uh, you know, when, when we look at these statements, um, what we are trying to do is, you know, get a better understanding of the business, of uh, the company's financials, because there are two aspects. You know, one is just the numbers, and the numbers do tell you a story but then the second aspect is, you know, everything that you read on a 10K or a 10Q is about what has already happened. So it's, it's the past. And you can get uh, an idea of what the company has done in the past. Uh, the other side to that is trying to figure out what will happen in the future. Because ultimately, you know, uh, a company could have been a very successful company. There are plenty of examples of companies that have, you know, done extremely well. Uh, for example, Eastman Kodak or Xerox. Um, mm. and Golly, uh, you talk about just missing it. Right. Just absolutely missing it, Eastman Kodak. And it cost them their life. Right. Cost them their, their whole company. Explain what you mean by they just missed it. Digital. They were wedded to film. So they didn't reinvent themselves. Everything went away from them when digital came about, and they could have been the leader in that. And, you know, they had too much money invested in the infrastructure of film developing. And and that seems to happen often. So the incumbent, you know, when there's a new technology, the incumbent is always slow to uh, adopt that technology. And uh, that's why there are smaller companies, the so-called disruptors, 
who are able to take uh, business away. You know, even when you think of the automobile, the big GM was the biggest company uh, in the U.S. in the 1950s. Uh, and then they had to be, they went bankrupt basically uh, in 2008. Uh, so looking at the numbers tells you about what, has happened in the past. Uh, our challenge always is to try to figure out if the company is doing the right things to uh, stay relevant and will it remain a good investment uh, in the future. Uh, so those are, you know, qualitative aspects, uh, if, if you will. Uh, it requires a certain amount of imagination. It's more of an art than a science sometimes. And obviously when you look at what the company is doing and what the management is saying. It gives you some idea of whether they are uh, going in the right direction. So th that's something that we try to uh, assess. Um, the other aspect uh, is what you would call top-down research, which is just looking at what's happening uh, in the economy, what's happening uh, with politics uh, to some extent, uh, what's happening with interest rates, uh, commodity prices, uh, because these are things that impact uh, the market and they, they could impact individual companies. So for example, if corporate taxes go up, then that could impact the earnings of uh, all the companies in the market. Um, so we also spend some time trying to understand that there are certain companies that are extremely sensitive to interest rates. If interest rates uh, go up, then uh, that could impact their business. Uh, or vice versa. Uh, so uh, we also look at that aspect and it's always important for us to have some sort of an idea of uh, of what's going on. So beyond just, you know, uh, buying individual stocks, when we create a portfolio, right. uh, these things matter when it comes to how much we uh, allocate to bonds, for example, in a portfolio, what sort of duration uh, do, will those bonds have? Uh, so... Those are uh, some of the aspects of uh, uh, research. No, 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 I just want to add one thing. You know, one of the things that we've noticed as we have done research over the years, that there are core areas that are um, approachable as if one relates to another. So banking as a as a function that is buying money at one price and selling it at another price and, and creating an arbitrage uh, that banking function uh, can actually be applied to insurance uh, it can be because uh, insurance is a type of banking if you really think about it it's it's just a form of banking um, leasing companies where you're uh, uh, borrowing money or bringing in money through the share market uh, and uh, reinvesting it uh, in airplanes or things that you then lease out, gain rent back. That's almost like a fixed income investment, like a bond. Uh, REITs, various types of REITs, real estate investment trusts. It's a banking function also. So one thing that where you're, you're, you're actually raising money and then buying real estate or mortgages and getting the uh, interest or uh, rent off of that, uh, and I mean that—that that is all a f that's all banking. It really all is. It's it's the it's the intermediation of money through one kind of thing and the disintermediation of it away from the banking even, system. Even as far out, I mean, honestly, even as far out as a company like Google, one could argue, is a banking function because you're ideas to get them on the platform so you get them in the bank and now we can sell you this product we can sell you that product we have this service for you kind of more retail though eh. i don't know but yeah you could <laughs> I, you could then say there, there really are parallels that, <laughs> well everything well, okay. revolves around banking every country every company is a bank then all right <laughs> including uh no but i uh you know and we and then other areas that we've kind of learned about or maybe natural resources and things uh, so we've spent some time digging into areas that we can understand 
with interest rates as low as they are, it has changed things in a major way, you know, perhaps for quite a while. So. Yeah, I, th- I think to that point, you know, that's that that funnels right into that top down where you're you're trying to figure out, you know, what what effect this actually has on future fundamentals of a company. You know, one the way I, I always like to speak in in analogous terms, and you know, for people to understand, that, that's sort of an understatement. For people to understand, really, kind of what we're talking about, you can't have just bottom up or just top down. They they go hand in hand. And to put this into perspective, one one of the biggest, one of the probably the biggest expense the vast majority of people have in their life is buying a home. And so, to put this into perspective for them, when you buy a home, you do it one of two ways: you either find the house, and you say, "Okay, what school district am I in? What neighborhood am I in?" You know, you you find the house, you love the house because it's got this kitchen, this bath, it's got all the stuff. That's that's your bottom up you found the house or do you say i want to be in this school district with this much square footage you know and and you you go from the top down you start in the demographics and then find the house that's a good point and it's it's the same principle you can do it in one way or another with a stock where you you look at what's going on in the regulatory environment and you say wow we should probably we had this discussion two days ago where we were talking about inflation and I said, if it's a consistent inflation, not like a 1980 style, you know, real estate may be a decent play. Um, you know, if, because they have CPI adjusters and things of that nature. So, you know, you you can go at it from two different avenues, but ultimately both are needed. Embrace the power of prayer. Come feel it at the Sanctuary of Centenary United Methodist Church's free prayer conference and get inspired together with some of the country's most respected spiritual leaders like activist, author, and former Georgia State Representative Dr. Alveda King or Christian author and songwriter Stormy O'Mardian. Join us from November 5th to the 7th, ending with a Sunday morning combined worship service at 1115 a.m., all at 2800 Tates Creek Road in Lexington. Has the weather taken a toll on your home's foundation and concrete slabs? All the heat, rain, freezing, and settling can wreak havoc on your foundation. Cracked walls, cracked brick, and sinking concrete can all be repaired economically by Dwyer. No job is too big or too small for Dwyer. Call today for your free estimate, 859-231-0998. The region's largest and most trusted name in raising sunken concrete and fixing foundations. Don't wait for the problem to get worse. Visit DwyerCompanies.com to learn more. Good point. Would that be a kitchen done by architectural kitchens and baths? Oh, shameless plug. Depends on how much it costs you, I guess. <laughs> we got to go to a break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Our goal is to educate, God and empower. We'll be back with the second half. Stay tuned. I see this world has made you sad Some people can be bad What you need to know today To raise the debt ceiling For our border This pandemic And in an instant This just in We've got breaking news here It could all change Checking in two, three, four times a day Helps you keep up with life News Radio 630 WLAP In many years of investing, I have come to the following conclusions. First of all, investing is not speculating. Investments driven by research take a great deal of risk out of the equation. Secondly, investing properly takes time. Third, no amount of time can make a poor investment a good one. We would like to help you with this process. We are qualified to do so. As a registered investment advisor and a fiduciary, We are able to provide you with an unbiased opinion concerning your investments. Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation review of your investment portfolio. Also, listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at www.dupreefinancial.com. 
Here's your quote, and thanks for shopping at Ralph's Tire. Um, so no free alignment? No, sir. I'm getting four tires. Yes, sir. With your standard installation. Right. Well, I was hoping you'd kind of include a free alignment. Why would I do that? Well, Tire Discounters does that. Yeah, that's because over there, see, they're kind of stupid. Tire Discounters even picks up and delivers now. Unbelievable. The stupid just keeps coming. Tire Discounters. Service so good, it's stupid good. Help DEA keep our community safe and healthy by participating in National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day, Saturday, October 23rd. Take action right in your own home by cleaning out your family medicine cabinet of unused and expired prescription drugs. Keep them safe, clean them out, take them back. To find a collection site near you, visit DEATakeBack.com. Do your part to lower overdose deaths and prevent prescription drug misuse before it starts. That's DEATakeBack.com. If you're tired of big cable bills, you can get Newsmax TV for free. Millions are watching Newsmax, available now on major cable systems or for free on smart TVs like Samsung, LG, and Vizio. Find it streaming on Roku, Zumo, Pluto, Amazon Fire, TiVo, Apple TV, and more. Seven million Americans have downloaded the free Newsmax app on their smartphones. It takes just seconds. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Forbes calls Newsmax a news powerhouse. Find out why. Start watching today. It is a windy and a chilly weekend across the area. Skies becoming partly sunny on this Saturday. We'll see an afternoon high 55 to 60. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the Red State Barbecue Studios. This is News Radio 630 WLAP. Radio advertising can connect your business with holiday shoppers wherever they go. Use iHeart Ad Builder to create an affordable custom radio ad right on your phone. Just click, listen, approve, then hear it on the radio. Create your customized ad today at iHeartAdBuilder.com. Hey, this is Billy Rutledge from the Big Blue Insider and Kentucky Sports Radio. Join me and Don Atkins as I take over for the great Rick Shaw as the host of the Kentucky High School Scoreboard Show. Every Friday night from 10 p.m. to midnight, right here on the home of the Cats, 630 WLAP. In another ad, I ask if money has any value. I'll answer that question by saying that money has no value other than what it can buy. If you've been to the grocery store lately, you know that money doesn't do what it used to do. Investments are good only insofar as they maintain the purchasing power of the money invested in them. In other words, an investment's value is only to the extent that it makes you more than inflation takes away from you. If you'd like to have your investments examined by our team in order to discern whether or not they can keep up with inflation, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturdays at 7 a.m. or on the podcast at DupreeFinancial.com. That's Prefinancial Group at DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. to the Tom Dupree show for the second half of the second hour in our series investing 101 today's topic is the Dupree investment process top to bottom from research to allocation joining us at Darsh Philip Sexton and here's our host Tom Dupree well I 
Okay, this is a takeoff on the Dire Straits song, Money for Nothing, where uh, Mark Knopfler kind of complains about what people listen to and it's not just musicianship it's the showmanship all i heard was michael jackson wearing makeup well it's chet it's a spoof on the music business so chet atkins mr nashville establishment kind of he had this great relationship with mark knopfler and they really i don't know he just it's a fun song he was so quintessentially what he was really he was all the best things about nashville not the bad stuff about it all the good stuff when they first started playing i thought it was that mr sam man well he does that song yeah that's another one of his hits actually so that that was him oh yeah it's chet atkins that's chet atkins i mean and he had a really recognizable guitar sound some of the good things uh, are you can see Chet Atkins and Doc Watson playing together. And he just, and he was, he knew everybody in town, not just in the music business. What do you think, Mark? In a lot of other areas, too. So, anyway, that's, I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. All right, let's get back to what we're here to do, which is. <laughs> I was going to say bore ourselves, but <laughs> I, I, I don't mean uh, that. All right, asset allocation. Now, you have a thing called modern portfolio theory, uh, which was come up with by, was it Ellis, Charles Ellis? It was Harry Markowitz. Harry Markowitz, who said basically that you can create an optimal portfolio by investing in various um asset classes and the idea is that uh when one is performing poorly uh, the other may be doing well and so by allocating one's assets across various um uh categories uh you can lower your risk uh it's not always entirely true because sometimes things are more correlated than we we think they are because any market that trades, if the markets sell off, it's subject to dropping, you know, because of liquidity issues. But, uh, you know, over time, uh, uh, modern portfolio theory has come into wide uh, acceptance. It's used in numerous uh, kinds of portfolios throughout the institutional world, and it's well uh, accepted. And to some degree, we use elements of it in our portfolios also. Right. So, yes, first of all, as you said, uh, you know, there are times when everything is correlated uh, and usually happens during times of panic. So we saw that last year uh, right. during COVID. We saw that in 08, 09. Uh, so when there's a liquidity crisis, really everything, you know, that's, uh, that requires liquidity uh moves together uh, and especially stuff that's illiquid which you think may not be as correlated you know turns out is also correlated but when we speak of uh, asset allocation first of all you know what are uh, the different assets that uh, that are out there and what are uh, the different assets that we invest in so broadly you know the the most uh, common assets in a portfolio are stocks or equities, uh, bonds. There are different types. There's government bonds, corporate bonds, municipal bonds. Preferred stock, uh, which is you know it's an equity, but it's got a it's almost like a bond in some ways. Uh, then there's real estate. It's kind of a hybrid between a bond and a stock in, right. in essence. Sometimes it'll have a equity kicker. Uh, that could track the the common shares, but it will also have a fixed payment that is unlike the common shares. Right. Uh, Then there's also commodities, you know, oil, gold, silver, uh, copper. Uh, And then there's real estate. So these are broad asset classes. And, uh, you know, when we uh, create a portfolio, 
uh, we research the individual stocks and then we try to create a portfolio which includes uh, these various asset classes. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons is that, you know, if everything in a portfolio is similar uh, and uh, if, uh, you know, there is an adverse event, then everything moves together. So we are trying to create a portfolio where there are assets that are not as correlated to uh, each other. So it's very tough to do when everything is publicly traded. Right. That's right. But ultimately too, though, that's where, you know, from a modeling perspective, when you're building out a portfolio, like you said, there are different levels of correlation. So, if you've got something that correlates 100% with another thing, if it's if it's a one for one, then clearly you don't need to own both of them. Right. You know, so you you yeah. you can make those decisions where, you know, maybe something moves 6 tenths to one or something like that where, you know, that's something that you can build into the portfolio. Unless um, you just like the name of it. Unless you just like the name of it and then yeah. Yeah, it's, there's that. And, uh, you know, different assets also have uh, different uh, risk characteristics. So, you know, uh, a government bond, for example, you know, if there is absolute panic, uh, because the bond has a fixed duration, uh, you know, ultimately the bond pays its principal and uh, interest, uh, a government bond is considered a risk-free asset, which means that there is no risk of uh, default. Uh, so there there could be a scenario where there is panic your stocks drop but your bonds uh hold value which we've seen um at least here recently uh basically since uh the 70s now in the 50s and 60s there were periods where stocks and bonds moved up and moved down together but here recently we've seen an inverse relation when equity prices drop usually that money goes into government bonds not corporate bonds or uh, uh municipal bonds necessarily but high quality government bonds. Uh, so that also gives us an opportunity to, uh, you know, buy. It's scary to hear. There's a foundation or sunken concrete problem with your home. Don't panic. Call the experts at the Dwyer Company, 859-231-0998. Dwyer is one of the largest and most trusted names in foundation repair, concrete lifting, and waterproofing. Dwyer's patented peering system can stabilize your foundation and raise your sunken concrete permanently. With the best warranties in the industry and over 30 years experience, don't wait until the problem becomes an emergency. Call the experts at 231-0998 or visit Dwyer Company's com stocks for example at lower prices if there is a panic because the bond component of the portfolio hasn't really moved or you know may have even gone up uh, so that's that's how asset allocation helps same with real estate uh, you know real estate uh, tends to uh, in most cases uh, you know throw off some sort of uh, an income uh, in a portfolio so uh, if uh, someone is relying on income uh, during their retirement years, then that, that could be, uh, uh, something that, uh, may be useful in the portfolio. Right. Um, the thing of it is there's always been in the past an attempted balance between growth and income. The problem presented with today's markets, is that the income component has gotten so low that it's very tough to get much income from quote income producing securities and uh it leaves uh, people in a tough spot that's true and there's always that risk of you know reaching out for yield when it's not available and people t invariably end up taking more risk than they need to uh, in order to try to get uh, income. So it is a very tricky uh, situation and interest rates have continuously declined for the last uh, couple of decades. And here we are when at a point where they're basically zero, at least on high quality uh, assets. Yeah. So th that, that does make it uh, difficult. Uh, now the other aspect of a portfolio is uh, 
diversification, and that's extremely important. So there's diversification amongst asset classes and then within the assets themselves, whether they be stocks or bonds, uh, we try to diversify the portfolio. A, again, uh, for the sake of uh, you know trying to make sure that not everything is correlated to each other and B, uh, anything can happen to an individual company. You know, we saw back in the late '90s ever there was fraud, and you know, companies like Enron or WorldCom. Right. So at the end of the day, you want to make sure that not all your uh, funds, especially retirement funds, are invested. You know, in just a few uh, companies, you want a pretty diversified portfolio. Uh, so we we try to do that also. Yeah, and I think you know, t- to the next step from here is. Once you've built the portfolio, where do you go in terms of of monitoring the portfolio, in terms of changing the portfolio? Because I think ultimately from a a long-term perspective, to hit where you're trying to hit, to get to where you're trying to go, to, to follow your plan, is ultimately you have to have a plan and you have to put rules in place. Um, you know, you, you've got to continue to to monitor these things because we we talk about the you know um, modern portfolio theory and and you know efficient markets and things. Well, <clears throat> there are very there there are numerous occasions in history where all that kind of goes out the window um, on the good and the bad. So you need to have the ability to act on these things. Um, you know, and that's where we we talk about. You know, you, you've got a few things you do. You, you're, we, we talked about following quarterly reports, following news reports, um, you know, looking at, at daily updates on these stocks. But also, you know, you've got to have meetings and conversations where, you know, not just one person's thoughts are the end-all, be-all. You, you've got to have that free-flowing conversation. And I think one of the biggest things is you have to set standards. You have to say, if this happens, it's at least going to make a, you know, a price target, for example. Like, oh, I thought you were talking about setting standards of like who you had on your team. And, and I was wondering, if that's the case, what are we doing here? Exactly. <laughs> and we're pretty, pretty ugly. I'm just no. kidding. Um, but – Oh, exactly. You look at you. You trying look at to these. be funny, you know. I understand, and that's what I mean. You know, I she trying being the operative word. Yeah. I <laughs> shaved last night. My neck. <laughs> what? We're on the radio. <laughs> Carry on, people. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you look at all these like analysts out there when they're setting price targets. And, you know, there's a reason behind that because they're saying. This is ultimately where I think this thing can go. Now, that's the thing that I think is the most political element of the uh, equity analysis business. I mean, at least when I was with, and I'm sure they're doing it the same way, you know, you would have a guy, the stock would be at 70, and he puts the price target at 80. And so I'm supposed to step out there and buy this stock and pay $70 just to maybe make 10 points. So that's, you know, you either like the thing. I mean, do you think Warren Buffett puts price targets on his stock? I mean, he, I, he does, I think, cause I, I know he rolled out of, well, way back, he rolled out of Freddie Mac at around 86 bucks a share. And he just, but it wasn't cause it hit its price target. Exactly. It's because he soured on the story. You know, and me, you know, I just don't think you really make good money looking at these goofy price targets. And and so what I mean by that, and, and you're exactly right with where you're going with this conversation. What I mean by that is you have to have something in your brain that says, hey, if it does this, I'm going to do this. You know, because there there's going to be. Yeah, but you'll come up with a reason. <laughs> well, to, to, but ultimately, people are what they are. I mean, man, I know we do have price targets, but we we're beyond some of them. You know, ulti- yeah. Well, and and ultimately, you if if you follow if you follow rules, you're going to keep yourself out of trouble. Uh, 
sort of. You may miss out of here and there on some things, but you will keep yourself long term. The story term. can change. That's what you, you can <clears throat> you can allow yourself to exceed your price targets if the story changes. Apple, perfect example. Yeah. So, oh like, gosh. let's say you you set I a don't even bring that up. Well, let's say back in the day you had set a price target on Apple, and you go bang, it hit its price target, but. They just came out with this really cool iPhone, you know, so that's a game changer. Before that's, that, you know what changed the app? Apple completely. It wasn't the iPhone. It was the iPod. The iPod. Remember those ads of that girl getting Dancing. down and, mm-hmm. and stuff of a silhouette or something? That was when Apple totally changed as a company. All they were was a PC company that was going nowhere. They come up with this iPod, not even an iPhone or an iPad, an iPod, and that put them on the map. And then everybody, all the buzz starts about the iPhone. Now it's worth about 100 times what it was worth back then. And and that's exactly what I'm saying. So the story changed. The story changed. But. And there was never a good reason to sell Apple, but you could always find a good reason at the time. And I did. (laughs) I did. But. You Mea had, culpa. You had something My in your brain fault. to check the story. You know, you've yeah. always got to check but the story. But you don't ever know what the story, on a company like that, you don't know where the story is going. I, I get that. But so, like, let's say you have a company that just for some reason, a momentum play, just boom, shoot straight up or boom, shoot straight down. And the story hasn't changed. That's when you, you have the conversation about it and you say, you know, what what do we do here? If it's boom, if it's shot straight up, it's probably a good idea to take your profits and, and go somewhere else. You know, it, it you never, how's this, the saying go? You never go broke taking a profit in, in a sense that way. But you've always got to be monitoring where things are going in relation to what they're actually doing. <laughs> um, they're all thinking. Can you that hear? Was, that was that was hardcore. Well, and the you know other aspects. You know, sometimes we uh, sell or or trim. You know, uh, just to uh, rebalance the portfolio a little bit. So now. Uh, it all depends, you know. So if if a person is twenty years old, they have they're still uh, making money or uh, contributing to their uh, portfolio, then their goals uh, and the way their portfolio is managed could be completely different than someone who is seventy years old, and they are relying on their portfolio to uh, you know for their retirement. So in in that scenario, uh, you know we have to uh, use certain rules. Uh, which may mean that you know sometimes we have to trim some uh if you know st- if we started off uh creating a portfolio where stocks were say 75% bonds were 25% if all of a sudden stocks become 85% because that person is in retirement we may have to you know sell some stocks and you know increase the bond allocation in that situation just because we want to make sure that if there is an adverse environment you know, the portfolio does not lose a significant uh, amount of its value. So there are just different considerations based on the goals and the time frame uh, of the person whose portfolio is being managed. Um, I think wh- one of the most uh, important, uh, I guess, questions that, that comes up is, you know, once a stock or a bond goes into a portfolio, when do you sell it uh, and how do you decide whether uh, to sell it, so there are there are a few scenarios where uh, you know it, it's pretty clear uh, that you have to sell, and there are many scenarios where it's just not that clear. Uh, one of the scenarios is that the story uh, on which uh, we made the investment completely changes. You know where we are seeing that okay, we bought the stock because this is what the management said they were going to do, and then they stopped doing that. Right. So that could be a, a, a scenario in which we uh, remove that investment. Another s- scenario could be just valuations, where uh, based on our analysis, we figure out that XYZ stock is worth you know X number of dollars, and all of a sudden, just because there's a s- euphoria in the market, the value of the stock goes up significantly, 
and it's pretty obvious that the stock is overvalued. In that scenario, we may sell the stock. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I I like the uh, the electric car market earlier this year or, and last year. You know where it was, it was actually last year when it rallied really really hard. You know because of infrastructure spending and everything else. But you have a lot of you have a lot of companies inside that that did extremely well. You know went up five six seven times that are not producing profits, not growing sales. You know, that that's a prime example of when you look at the euphoria in the market and you say, wow, this is a little crazy. Right. All right, we got to jump, guys. It's a big day in Kentucky football. We're hoping for a win today against Georgia. Keeneland. And, you know, Keeneland's still going. Big, we, race, big races. Stakes races. We hope you've learned something today. If you'd like to hear the show again, it'll be posted on Monday at our website, DupreeFinancial.com, under the blog and radio tab. Take it, Tom. It's football time in the bluegrass. We'll talk to you next week. It's a little bit old. That hurts. But your money. This is what's happening. All three vaccines will be available for boosters on WLAP. What the FDA decides. That decision will be based on the science. The latest update. Fight over abortion rights. The back and forth and uncertainty in Texas. These supply chain bottlenecks. Knew that coming out of the pandemic, we would face supply chain issues. At the top and the bottom of the hour. The select committee on January 6th. Shouldn't everybody want to get to the bottom of that? It is looking at jail time here. Check in throughout the day. We have a lot more to do. With News Radio 630. WLAP. In the world of investing, there's a debate about what has value. Does money have value? What about stocks, bonds, gold, oil? A good rule of thumb is that something that has value will continue to be useful no matter what happens in the markets. So that might include things like water, real estate, food, and energy. The paper which trades on a daily basis in the stock and bond markets actually derives its value from underlying assets which perform a function in daily life that is unrelated to the markets. Figure this out and you will do well at investing. If you'd like to know more about your retirement investment accounts, give Dupree Financial Group a call at 859-233-0400 and we'll set up a no obligation review of your accounts. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Embrace the power of prayer. Come feel it at the Sanctuary of Centenary United Methodist Church's free prayer conference and get inspired together with some of the country's most respected spiritual leaders like activist, author, and former Georgia State Representative Dr. Alveda King or Christian author and songwriter Stormy O'Mardian. Join us from November 5th to the 7th, ending with a Sunday morning combined worship service at 11.15 a.m., all at 2800 Tates Creek Road in Lexington.